Welcome to episode six of Crossroads of Destiny and Avatar The Last Airbender Universe podcast. Right now we're talking about every episode of Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender, one at a time. I'm Chad Hopkins and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew and Melanie Grant. How's it going, guys? Pretty amazing. Doing great. Good. And now we already disclosed to everybody that we are talking about three different episodes today. So we're going to cut right to the chase. Let's do it. Marathon. We are talking about book one, chapter seven. This is Winter Solstice part one called The Spirit World. It was directed by Lauren McMullen, was written by Aaron Ehaz, and it aired on April 8th of 2005. And it was animated by DR Movie. The summary for this episode. The trio is approached by a member of a small town, desperately seeking the aid of the Avatar in protecting their village from a nightly attack, from a creature from the spirit world. As Avatar, Aang is the bridge between the real and spirit worlds, but he has to learn how to communicate with it first. And there's other stuff that happens, obviously, but there's, there's the general sum up. Mm-hmm. So I think we should obviously talk about Aang's part of this episode first and that whole storyline with the trio, okay. and then we'll get to the other part after that because it has some tie-ins to Aang's. So, general thoughts, things we wanted to say right off the bat. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot, lot of stuff, stuff going on. It was funny. Things. I watched these two episodes late last night, one just to prepare, yeah, but also to see, should we combine this part one and part two into one discussion? Sometimes that might make sense. It does not make sense here, because there is a lot brought to the table here, Absolutely. and we're going to have a lot of questions for Melanie, and Melanie has a lot of ammo for making predictions for the next episode here we go lots of seeds in this episode oh my god andrew gosh wow (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, what is wrong with you (laughs) it's part of my charm any other like story specific things like small things moments that we enjoyed Sokka has no shame in literally anything that he does during this episode, mainly because at the end, I guess I just jumped to the end of it where he's like, they asked like, can we do anything for you? He's like, yeah, you can give us like food, money, <laughs> literally Supplies, anything yeah. we need. I mean, I think he's just saying the things that Aang is too humble to ask for himself and yeah. it is stuff that they need. So it is true. I just think it's funny yeah. that he just is like straight up does it. He just breaks through that. Like, yeah, actually, um, supplies and uh, money. <laughs> yeah. We need something You're other welcome. than well wishes. Yeah. Like- <laughs> We're traveling. It's, we're, we're three teenagers, in case you hadn't realized, we kind of need some help on this journey here. But what I did like about Sokka in this episode was how more concerned he was about Aang. Mm-hmm. He's bonded. They're friends. Yeah. He's like part of their little, their little family, their little tribe. And he, like the entire, I guess we're, I'm delving in, aren't no, I? No, that's okay. Tries to go fight a spirit monster. The on- spirit monster. <laughs> He's like, no, no, he needs help. And several times they're like, okay, dude, calm down. He needs to do it on his own. He's the avatar. If anybody can do it, it's him. And then finally, that's when he's just like, no, nah, I'm going to go help. Mm-hmm. And well, it gets captured. Snatched. <laughs> I always thought it was funny because Aang's literally trying to follow this guy around the the spirit for like 20 minutes. And then Sokka's out there for like 13 seconds. And he's like, swoop, and in the woods. Like, you're like, okay, bye, bye Sokka. <laughs> Some of the more playful things before we get to the really heavy things. We see more of Aang's playfulness at the beginning. I thought that was just a fun moment to talk about for just a second where he jumps into the clouds to see if they really are cottony and soft. He's like, turns out they're made of water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Thanks, Magic School Bus. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, shouldn't you know that? Yeah. But then it obviously takes a very quick turn. Very almost, quick turn. Almost immediately after that. I felt like, like we really Whoa. didn't 
have too much comic relief in this there's one. not much at all mm-hmm. um we, we a got that iro mm-hmm. there's a, that at the very beginning we saw the armored camel emu things that the earthbenders are cool. riding on which we haven't seen before chocobos <laughs> that's what i thought they were i thought they were chocobos for like a second they're definitely not uh rhino komodo dragon hybrids like right. what the fire nation still rides terrifying. around on still absolutely terrifying yeah and I'm trying to glance through real quick, see if there's anything light else that I wanted to mention. No, I think we should just get to it. I mean, there's yeah, a there's lot a of, lot. There's a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of precursor stuff. Build up. There's a lot of you know defining more about the characters of the people that we already know, and there's more of this whole like side quest that's happening. And like, there's some setting up of like the grand arc of the show too. Yeah. No, yeah. there's a there's a lot going on, so we're ready to go. So we had talked about it already, how Aang was doing a super playful, like I'm going to go into the cloud kind of thing, and then how serious it got very quickly. Mm-hmm. And he just feels so responsible after he sees the the forest devastation where everything is gone because of the Fire Nation, and he immediately took that all onto himself. This yeah. is a new kind of responsibility, too, because so far all the responsibility on his shoulders has been for people. And people right. he's lost, and this is nature. He's he he understands that as an avatar, he has a responsibility to preserve both life of humans and life of nature. That's mm-hmm. the first time he's mentioned nature. I wrote that down. I was like, oh, I don't think we heard you say that before. But of course, he isn't down for too long, because then there comes Katara with her little acorn, and she's like, look. This is, and then I was like, it's going to be a seed. They're going to plant seeds everywhere. And Definitely reminded me of Bugs Life. Like, pretend it's a seed, okay? <laughs> and it's just like, everything's okay after that. I'm like, yeah. you're good. Yeah. And right there at the beginning, we also have a lot of talk from Aang about, yes, they're looking for teachers for earthbending and waterbending being the more prevalent. But no one can teach him how to be the Avatar. The point is, there's only one. Mm-hmm. He had some mentioned that from uh, from Monk Yatso that he can be taught by other avatars, but of course went away before how to do that was ever actually taught to him. So now he's just kind of stuck knowing that there is a way to do it, but he has no idea how to actually do that. That led me to think that Aang probably didn't know that he was Avatar for very long before he got frozen in the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Andrew and I know what happens in the future. I'm not going to try and hint towards any of that. But it's pretty clear that he did not have very much Avatar-specific training before he was frozen in the iceberg. Mm-hmm. He, he got his airbending mastery, and that's, that's as far as he got. And we know that normally Avatars aren't told that they are the Avatar until they're 16. He's 12. So mm-hmm. the, the, we talked about this before. The air nomads sensed that something was going down mm-hmm. and Aang needed to be told for some reason when he was 12 that he was the Avatar and it wasn't long after that that he was frozen and everything else went down. I did look up Heibai, the spirit that is attacking this village yeah. that, that they come across. Heibai is Chinese for black and white. Hey. Nothing too far off what you'd expect there. Yeah. And we learned that the solstice, aside from being the longest night, shortest day of the year, is when the line between the real world and the spirit world is blurred the most. So it's like a shortening of the distance between the two of those as well. Mm -hmm. And 
we're just learning things. So that we're just spewing things that we learned. We learned that the avatar is the bridge between the spirit world, which we haven't really had any mention of no, up to this point. The great bridge. The great bridge between the spirit world and mankind. Yes. And that's the the stuff that Aang has no idea what to do. He's he's a great airbender, obviously, but anything else, including the spirit stuff, he has no clue. That was mm-hmm. something that I kept was being said. And I almost got to a point where I think he was getting like somewhat frustrated and it was kind of coming out as like sarcastic comments. It's like, I'm the bridge. Like I'm the one that needs to know how to do this. When he's mentioned before, he's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And they, all of these people just expect him to automatically know just because he has the name avatar. And to his credit, he sticks around and tries to help them. Even though he has no idea what he's, what he's doing. He, he goes out and he like, twirls his staff around and <laughs> places on the ground. Please leave these people alone. Well, that's well, that. I guess that's settled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's something I wrote down too, is that it shows again how he's kind of passive. Like he does. And he's like, I don't want to fight him unless I have to. And then that's right before, like he says that right before Sokka gets taken. Mm-hmm. But during the entire time where he's trying to confront Hebai, he's asking him mm-hmm. with pleases and could use and, would use manners he's being, he's kind. being very polite <laughs> yeah. instead of like that's what the one of the older gentlemen said and it was like this is a unique way of going about this <laughs> very like unusual <laughs> it's very unusual the way he's doing it and it's just like he doesn't know he he should be commanding mm-hmm. and he finally says like i command you to stop and that like and command you command you to look at me and he looks and he's like okay and then like Yeeted blasts him, him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god so hey take sokka Mm-hmm. Yes. Aang gives chase and is unable to take him before Heibai and Sokka both disappear into the spirit realm. And Aang crashes into the ground at the foot of some sort of bear totem statue yeah. thing. Which was very strange. It was very strange. I was wondering but, where the bear came from. But something that I thought was really well done was that crash at the statue happens at night. And so everything already has a little bit of a bluish hue. Mm-hmm. So I would suspect Melanie... When Aang woke up after crashing, after Heibai disappeared, you didn't suspect that there was anything different. No. No, it's because it's, a, it's yeah. a very well done reveal. He, he trudges back the rest of the way. He doesn't try to fly because he's dejected. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I, I guess I'm going back as a failure. And so he walks into town. Yeah, he's prolonging that trip. He's right. Like, it's I like a walk of have, shame. Yeah, I now have to tell Katara yeah. that I never, I never found Sokka. Or I found Sokka, but he slipped away. Right. And so... He arrives just before sunrise, and as the sun rises, it's revealed. He's blue. He's blue. And that is a fantastic reveal. Yeah, that is no, so that well done. Really, yeah. I love that part. Like, because mm-hmm. you're right, you, you, don't, you don't suspect anything because in that kind of morning dusk kind of hue to everything, he does look blue. And, you're, and then he just stays blue as the sun rises, and you're like, what right. is happening? Mm-hmm. And then that's when you realize that no one can physically interact with him or see him no one you say except for yeah give me get there okay <laughs> because it's also important to point out that because he can't interact with people physically he can no longer interact with elements physically he can't interact with things of the earth and so therefore his bending is gone as well and then we do see that iroh follow like follows with his gaze yeah and yeah. i kind of freaked out i was like hey how come he can see him yeah and even, like literally even nobody his else own can spirit guide his own animal spirit guide appa can't see him right which i thought for a second i was like oh maybe maybe appa will know that he's there because you know animals have like some random sense sometimes that humans don't have and then 
And then he didn't. And I was really <laughs> bummed. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to linger on that uncle point in yes. a little bit. But first, I want to continue with Aang. Melanie, did you have any sort of thoughts about a dragon flying at Aang and him not being able to do anything about it? No, I think I even freaked out. I was like, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have airbending. He can't do it. He's going to get eaten. So you had no notion that the dragon was actually a friendly spirit? No. Okay, cool. That's no, exciting. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he's like, oh, you're Roku's spirit animal. I was like, oh, just like just like Appa is his, mm-hmm. didn't know that every avatar had their own. Well, that's a question I had. We know that Aang has Appa. We know that Roku has his dragon. Mm-hmm. Do we think that every avatar has some sort of spirit animal? I would think so. If, the, if this is a little bit of a pattern, we would show that everybody has a spirit animal. I don't know whether or not it's a different kind of spirit animal every time. So like not all firebender avatars have a dragon? It would make sense. Okay. Dragons breathe fire. And it would also make sense that airbenders would have sky bisons. A flying bison. Mm -hmm. So I would think they would have just a different kind. At this point, there's really only two major Aang things to talk about for this episode. He and the dragon fly to a temple in the Fire Nation, we learn, that has a statue of Roku inside of it. And he can't talk to Roku yet, but the dragon is able to communicate to him that on the solstice, If he goes to that temple, he will be able to talk with Roku, which is great. Great news. Yeah. Aside from the fact that it's in the Fire Nation. Mm -hmm. But we also got some sort of vision of a comet. A comet. Melanie, do you have any ideas about the comet? We we saw it twice in this episode. We did. So we know it's serious. Mm -hmm. We mean business. The only thing I can think of maybe is this is how the airbenders or the air nomads know that something bad is coming. Maybe that was a so like step a off. reading the, the stars kind, kind of thing? Kind of thing. Maybe, okay. maybe. Sure. We can talk about that more later, mm-hmm. possibly, when we get to the official prediction section. But anyways, at that point, Aang returns to the village. Still none the wiser where Sokka is, how to take down Heibai or to make peace with Heibai. But he gets back and he is able to make the connection. He's able to like make contact with Heibai and see the more peaceful spirit that is inside of Heibai, because Heibai, for one, looks terrifying. He does. His little <laughs> creepy mini arms You were, were not weird. ready for him. Ew, yeah. No. <laughs> I think Melanie's exact words were, be gone, Satan, or <laughs> something like that. Not today, Satan. Not today. Not not today. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, that is yeah. so ugly. <laughs> yeah. But we see that at the center of Heibai is a soft panda. Little he's panda. Little panda. I was like, oh, he's And he panda. walks away and the bamboo grows. Yeah. So Aang <laughs> is able to make that connection. And I love that Aang is able to pass on the hope that Katara gave him at the beginning of the episode with the acorn mm-hmm. to Heibai. It shows that Aang is learning from his friends and is continually aided by his friends. This Mm -hmm. isn't a piece of knowledge that he came by on his own. It's something that he was given and then passed on. Right. And on top of that, Aang is learning how to interact with the spirit world because in his interactions with Roku's dragon, Roku's dragon only speaks to him by making a connection with the forehead. Mm -hmm. And then in order to even communicate with Heibai to calm him down and actually give him any kind of information, he has to do the same thing. I didn't he even make that the, connection. He no. makes that connection with with the the head or the forehead of Heibai. And then it's just like, I know what's happening. He sees that it's the it's the bear spirit. He knows that it's the forest spirit. And that obviously he is trying to seek revenge in some way. 
for angry. the destruction and of the forest. Upset. That's right. what he said. And so Aang then has to be like, well, yes, it is destroyed, but there is still hope and there there, you know, there will be growth in the future, which is the lesson that he learned from Katara. Mm-hmm. Heibai was clearly taking people from the village just as it sort of perceived that they or something took the forest from him. So it, it was nice that Aang was able to pass on the message that what was taken is not gone forever. Andrew mentioned this just a moment ago. When Heibai leaves, transformed back into its peaceful panda self, there's the bamboo that grows at the gate. And I love that it's such a like, beautiful symbol, but it's also a great way to bring the kidnapped people back as they sort of emerge from the bamboo and mm-hmm. are brought back to, to where they belong, including Sokka. And you know, Sokka, earlier in the episode, when Katara was desperate for both Sokka and now Aang to come back, she was waiting at the gate with Appa and holding Sokka's boomerang. Like, uh, a to- yeah. this is all yeah. she has left of her brother right now. Just yeah. like the necklace is all she had left of her mother. Yeah. Really nice moments. Something I wanted to mention that he knows, Aang knows that he, in order for him to learn how to be the Avatar, he needs to talk to Roku. We've mentioned that. So whenever Roku's dragon connects with him again to show him what he needs to do in order to have that happen... He realizes like, oh, but I can't stay here. He'd rather have given up the opportunity at that moment to be able to talk to Roku, I felt, because his next notion was like, I have to save Sokka. Like, I can't stay here. Well, I think there's a message there also that Aang surely could have waited at the temple in the spirit world to talk to Roku. Mm -hmm. But... Roku isn't the only person or spirit that he can learn from. Mm. And so in him going back, he was able to use that knowledge from Katara to calm down the spirit. And so, yes, he still has some vital information to get from Roku as it's hinted towards, but he's also able to rely on others and not strictly the spiritual path and his predecessors. Like he was maybe led to believe at some point in his life. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good idea. I also think it's important to mention that it seems as though this meeting of Roku's dragon is not accidental. Aang gets into the spirit world and is trying to track Heibai, has no idea, no connection to anything else, and Roku's dragon is coming straight for him on a mission. And then he's asking how he's supposed to communicate with Roku, but the information he receives is what Roku wants to talk to Aang about which is the opposite of what the question was. He's like, I need to learn how to be the avatar. How can I talk to Roku? And he's like, yeah, 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 that's nice. I mean, all of this is conjecture because he doesn't actually say anything. But (laughs) the point is, he's like, let me show you what Roku's actually going to talk to about. And he just sees this picture of a comment. He goes, is that what Roku wants to talk to me about? And then the dragon like nods or, you know, does some kind of affirmative, you know, gesture. And that kind of brings more to the point that Roku is also seeking Aang mm-hmm. and that the, there, there is this strong connection from Avatar to Avatar that Roku knows. And so you, I guess you could kind of derive that Roku knows he has, even though he's passed on, he has a duty to Aang to, to lead him through this process. He's the only teacher that he can have. And that leads to what I was hinting towards Melanie at the end of last episode about the solstice being a specific date. Mm -hmm. Aang has a true defined purpose now and a specific deadline. He didn't have that before. Mm -mm. He has a day to get into the Fire Nation 
to this crescent-shaped island where Roku's temple is in order to speak with him and to find out what this comet thing is about. And so up to this point, everything that we've seen Aang doing is wishy-washy fun times for the most part. Like he wants to go ride the fish here and he wants to go see this and he wants to ride the slides in Omashu. And now he's learning, one, he's wasting time doing that. And two, if he does that anymore, he's going to fall behind of what he needs to do as the Avatar. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was what I was specifically hinting towards when I said the solstice is a date because right. it means that he has to do it. Like there's no waiting until next solstice. And I think I was leading you down the wrong rabbit hole with, with my information because I got things a little mixed up. <laughs> it's okay. But <laughs> we're all on the same page now. <laughs> so any more about Aang and company in this episode? I think that pretty well covers it. I did want to say that I found it very strange when at the beginning of this episode where this dude literally comes out of nowhere and it's just like, I thought I saw a sky bison. I, okay. Are you so, the avatar? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, guy, what? <laughs> I got paranoid, weird feelings about it. It was like, where did you come from? Yeah. <laughs> Who sent you? Yeah. And then, and then you kind of learned that just like the dragon, like I'm sure when people saw a dragon flying around, they were like, oh, Roku's nearby. And so it kind of, you have to like make that connection later that this guy was just like, huh, sky, bi- sky bison. Wait, the airbenders are, oh my God, the avatar is over here. Like he's like, cause there's only one airbender and he is the avatar. So he's just like, oh, there's a sky, but oh my God. I have to go find the avatar. He can, he can, he can help me. And I was just like, but I just think it was so funny that he just kind of walks out of the woods and is like, are you the avatar? And I'm like, whoa, what, what? And they're just like, uh, yeah. 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 We saw in the warriors of Kiyoshi episode that word spread very quickly. Once the word was out that, that Aang was back in some capacity. Right. I mean, and the village, I guess, leader of some kind, he's like, oh, the rumors are true. Mm -hmm. So it's still hearsay, even though we saw this, when he went into the Avatar state and all of these temples throughout the land kind of lit up like the Avatar was awakened, they're still considering it rumors. Right, right. Um, so we get some pretty heavy information about Iroh <gasps> in this episode. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Iroh. The Dragon of the West. The Dragon yes. of the West. General Iroh. So we'll get to that in just a second. Because <laughs> first I want to say uh, at the beginning of the episode, he's encouraging Zuko to soak away his troubles in the hot springs. And Zuko says, my troubles can't be soaked away. And don't you think that Zuko's troubles, in theory, should be Uncle Iroh's troubles? Yeah. Yeah. In theory. So Uncle clearly doesn't place the same importance on capturing the Avatar as Zuko does, even though he knows the stakes of Zuko capturing the Avatar. There's one moment where he says, you should listen to your teacher. And enjoy some relaxing time in the, the saunas or whatever. And so I, I just wanted to point out that clearly uncle is not as invested in this whole hunting down Aang business as Zuko is. And you also see yet again, driven home to the nth degree that Zuko doesn't quit. He's that's what I wrote down at 100 all the time. He's so intense. <laughs> Like, there is no chill on this guy. No. What's, because he's a firebender. Even even when he's talking to his uncle, he's in a constant state of almost yelling. Yeah. Like, even his conversational tone is just, like, amped. Mm-hmm. It's like, this dude, he's just, he's got Calm that, like... Calm down, Rufio. I know. He's just, like, super intense <laughs> all the time. 
Okay, so let's go ahead and get to it. Uncle is captured by Earthbenders. Bum, bum, bum. And they call him the Dragon of the West. What? They call him the once great General Iroh. Fall from grace. What happened? I wanted to get your thoughts, Melanie. I don't know. I think, I think he lost faith in the Fire Nation's mission. I feel like he hmm. was like all in it, like every other Fire Nation soldier, general, anybody who else we've come across. Yeah. I feel like he's just as passionate in the beginning. And then he talked about this, this war that the Earthbenders were bringing up to him, mm-hmm. battling for 600 days. He's like... The siege of Bossing Se. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, we're t- I, my men are tired. I was tired. I'm still tired. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think he just, he it honestly, took a lot kind of, out of him. it took a lot out of him. But I, I kept just, kind of, it kept coming back to my brain that the, maybe the reason why he is so chill and is trying to get Zuko to kind of like calm down is because he sees a lot of himself in Zuko when he might have been younger. And he just doesn't believe what the Fire Nation believes anymore. I mean, and you're, you're talking about the Fire Lord himself's brother brother mm-hmm. exactly and he is it seems almost a polar opposite like in, a this, yin and in the sense of you have someone who's literally trying to take over the world and you have his brother who's like let's have some tea <laughs> let's uh let's, let's take a break let's chill. yeah <laughs> you know so i think going off of your theory that maybe for someone who has been that high up is that high up and is still not motivated to really help Zuko find his power. Maybe he's slowly trying to have Zuko realize that it's not all about the power. The payoff isn't exactly what he thinks. Right. Because he probably caused, I mean, to get a name like the dragon of the West is probably an ominous thing that had to have happened. Mm -hmm. He probably did a lot of destruction. Mm -hmm. He probably hurt a lot of people. And ended up doing things that he just, at the end of the day, didn't feel right about. And alluding to the once great General Iroh status, it's revealed, yes, he laid siege to Ba Sing Se for 600 days, but the city did not fall. He was not successful. So maybe that's what it's referring to. We see as he is taken by these earthbenders and laid up in chains, he leaves behind a flip-flop at one point to aid Zuko in finding him. I did write down Sneaky Snake. He, he clearly has a lot of faith in Zuko. He has a lot of faith in his nephew. And we see later in the episode, he could have tried to escape like right away mm-hmm. and probably would have been successful. But instead, he sort of like strings them along, delays as much as he can, stalls where possible, and allows Zuko time to catch up. Then we get to the thing we mentioned earlier. Uncle straight up sees Aang and the dragon fly over him in the spirit realm while in the spirit realm how like what? how how what do you think melanie <laughs> well, i don't know y'all tell me you know the answers Ooh, that is Come super on. frustrating i don't know <laughs> i mean i can't okay l- let's suggest something that's not super spoilery but something to consider if he can see into the spirit realm wouldn't wouldn't you assume that he is very spiritually connected yes that's the only thing i can think of he meditates a lot he's teaching Zuko to meditate he obviously believes in it so maybe that's how he's gained this extra power on top of what he's able to do as a fire nation and maybe something to think about his nickname was dragon of the west Aang was riding a dragon that might be like the extent of the connections it might just be spirit in general we we don't have that information right now 
The only other thing I thought about it is like, <laughs> Uncle Iroh's dead and he's totally faking out everybody. Oh, like the closer Whoa. to death, the closer to the spirit realm? Yes. That's Some dark. Sixth sense, wow. Six sense nonsense going on in here. <laughs> that did cross my mind too. I was just like, because honestly, I didn't remember that part. I didn't remember him being able to, he just like watches Aang on the dragon go by. And of course, no, all of the fire, uh, sorry, the earth uh, kingdom captors have no idea what he's looking at. And then of course, like he just is like, oh, we're all distracted. Okay, cool. Bigger diversion. Like (laughs) he just kind of, he kind of capitalizes on it. But at the same time, that wasn't the point, like why he was distracted in the first place. They totally underestimated him. They were like, oh, we're, there's more of us. There, we're younger. He's an old dude and he's naked. He's like, naked. Like they caught <laughs> him obviously. in the bath. Like, <laughs> so obviously, like, him. oh, we can totally take him. But homeboy, like, shot fire out of his feet and steamed up his shackle with right. his breath. That's something I wanted to point out. They're all about, like, they're going to crush his hands because these hands are too dangerous. He escapes without using his hands. Like, yeah, he hasn't <laughs> even used them yet. Like, y'all don't even know. <laughs> he steamed his handcuffs with his nostrils and then he shot fire out of his feet. So you're watching out for the wrong thing. Yeah, right. it's like all of it. All of it is dangerous. What is? What are, you, what are y'all looking at? That just, like, okay, not to like be super, super cheesy, but it's just like, it's just like the sleeping dragon kind of thing. Mm. He is just, he's docile right now, but you push him enough... Things are going to happen. Gonna smile, get up. So there's a moment before Zuko shows up to save Uncle Iroh where he sees Katara fly by in Appa. Mm-hmm. And he is faced with a dilemma. Do I go after the Avatar, restore my honor, or do I go after Uncle Iroh? And what I love about that moment is we don't get the answer to his decision until he shows up to save the day. He even turns his rhino a little bit as if he's going to choose the avatar. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's thinking uncle's capable. He'll get himself out of this. But then he does show up and save uncle. And I, I I really like that. They, the show creators and that the, the director and everybody, they left it until the crucial moment to show us. Yes. Zuko chose Iroh. Right. Cause you don't know if he's, he's coming. Like when they're going to crush, Iroh Sanders like, oh, well, Zuko's following a dead lead because it's just Appa and Katara. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's going to go and basically sacrifice his uncle for, for nothing. Like, he doesn't want Katara. He definitely doesn't want Appa. So it's like you're genuinely afraid for Uncle Iroh in that moment. And then you're like, oh, he went back for his uncle. Can you imagine if he didn't and actually went after? That would have been terrible. He would have been soul crushed. I would have been so sad. No, I, I definitely took note of that moment, too, because he sees the uh, he sees Appa fly by and it's like avatar versus uncle like that's what i wrote down i was just like he has he's given an option two se- very separate directions what are you going to do different goals what are you going to do and you already start to see that he is prioritizing the right things in his life right and that just goes to show that Zuko is totally a misunderstood character and that he's not as equal as all the other fire nation people Perhaps. Yeah. No, I feel it. Sure. I, you know I do this. It's like my superpower. <laughs> per, yeah. Ugh. Now we get to the most awesome part of the episode, honestly. When Zuko shows up, he breaks Uncle's chains. Uncle's like, good form, Zuko. Yeah. And <laughs> Always the teacher. He shatters his chains with his foot. Like, yeah. He's like, okay, okay. And the earthbender says, it's five against two. 
you're clearly outnumbered. And Uncle, being as awesome as he is, says, that's true, but you are clearly outmatched. <laughs> what did you think about that? Mel? I was like sneaking a look. I was like, how are you going to react to this? Because like, that is amazing. It's about to go down. Like <laughs> I also, I thought it was really interesting in that battle that you don't see Iroh firebend very much. You At don't. all. Zero firebending. Zero? Okay, I, zero like, firebending. I, I might have missed where he like just did something, but he just has his, his chain. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, you thought I was just a really good firebender? Watch this. And right. like he's he's literally shattering huge boulders coming his way with a chain. Like right. he's using their element against them. Mm-hmm. That was super rude. They obviously easily take down the earthbenders. Like I said, Uncle doesn't do a lick of firebending. And you see how still, capable a warrior yeah. he is, period. Yeah. Which is amazing. Even as a little old man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might have had something else to say about that. No. Oh, you can bring connection from our last episode where you were talking about how the, the feet have to do a lot with mm-hmm. how they channel their power. Right. We did notice that the earthbenders in this episode are barefoot, which mm-hmm. continues the theory, or not even really a theory. It's more just confirmed that it strengthens their connection into the ground. And right, we're obviously dealing with at least a formidable task force, if not an elite force of earthbenders. Like they sneak up on, you know, they're stealthy enough to sneak up on a highly trained general of the Fire Nation. They're at least capable enough to apprehend him for a significant amount of time. They know a great amount of history about Bossing Say and the general himself. So these guys have been involved with the protection of Bossing Say to some extent. They know who Iroh is. Like these aren't just any old grunts of the of the Earth Kingdom. Like you you can definitely tell that these guys mean business. Right. And they've captured someone who they think is going to cause Bossing Say harm. And it just so happens to be someone who, in the past, has caused bossing say harm. So they're just like, we're going to go ahead and apprehend you because you're the once great General Iroh who tried to attack our city. Anything else to say about Zuko or Iroh in this episode? I don't think so. I think, I mean, it just opens a lot of doors. You see, it's just these little tiny moments. And honestly, I'm glad that we're doing this slower more, you know, descriptive walkthrough because I don't know if I would have caught on to all of them, Mm -hmm. you know, even when watching it at first or even on these rewatches because I'm telling you, I don't remember Iroh seeing Aang in in the dragon, even though it was quite obvious. It just wasn't something that really clicked. Mm -hmm. And that just brings, especially knowing more about Iroh than has currently been revealed, it pulls a lot to his character. And I think that was a super interesting little seed to put in this episode. That's something I'm really excited for you, especially Andrew, in watching these episodes the way we are now, is that it's something that I realized when doing the Office podcast was when you're watching with the specific intent of breaking down the episode and Mm -hmm. inspecting each individual element, you recognize things and see things that you haven't seen before. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's going to happen only more often because I know how packed these episodes start to get you have a lot of different narratives going on at the same time this one was obviously split uh, almost three ways because you have a side quest you have the spirit world and you have Iroh and Zuko's story so it's like although they're all happening around the same time there's some tie-ins amongst all three stories you're you're getting three different narratives throughout the entire episode. And I know that happens just more and more as the series goes on. 
The only last like tiny things, and these are just like tidbits to mention before we get to Melanie's predictions. The Wanderer, the guy who comes across Aang and friends to bring them to the village in the first place, he's voiced by James Shigeta, who voiced General Lee in the original animated Mulan movie, Lee oh. Shang's father. Mm-hmm. And then Andre Sogliuzzo voiced King Bumi in the previous episode. And he also voiced the Earthbender captain here. So it's just a name to sort of look out for as like, oh, how might he show up next time? Because gotcha. he was Boomy, but he's also these little bit characters too. That's interesting. So that gets into our predictions, Melanie's predictions for the next episode. Andrew and I don't need to predict anything. <laughs> it is called, obviously, Winter Solstice Part 2, but is specifically titled Avatar Roku. We get to talk about Roku. We get to hear more about him, mm-hmm. maybe to see how he was as an avatar. Maybe. Now, we, we are specifically leaving with Aang knowing that he has to go into the Fire Nation in order to talk to Roku. So how do you think that's going to go? It's not good. It's not really <laughs> going to be good. It's going to be hard. And that's what they've been trying to do is avoid... Confrontation. Confrontation with the Fire Nation as much as possible. Like, they're the one element they've been trying to, like, stay away from this whole time. So, I mean, it's going to be difficult. And he has a day to do it. Right. Do you think there will be opposition in any kind? Probably. in, In what form? Well, I would think it's since it's a temple, it would probably be guarded still, right? Possibly. So he might have to go through some barriers and or booby trapped. Okay, and do you think Zuko is going to play in anything? I don't know. I thought I thought we weren't going to see Zuko for a little bit, and then here we are seeing him in the next episode. We know from the previous episode in prison that he's pretty hot on their tail, like all the time. Right. So the only thing I can maybe 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 is going to be my official answer is that maybe he might be tracking him to the crescent, and maybe they'll have a confrontation. <gasps> okay. Maybe they might fight again. Okay. Andrew is our prediction record keeper. And so we'll make note of all of those things and we'll revisit them on our next discussion. And that is the end of episode six of The Crossroads of Destiny. Thank you all again for listening. Hopefully you got a lot from this episode because we certainly got a lot of discussion out of it. Uh, hopefully some really good stuff that maybe if you've seen the show before, you didn't think about. Contact for the show, Xroads Pod everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, email at gmail.com. Um, if you would like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely helpful to us. That would help us to expand our audience and reach more people um, and help us to rise further in the search results for Avatar, The Last Airbender. So please help us out. Take a minute to leave a rating and a review. Also, you can leave us a voicemail, 3145-YIP-YIP. That is 314-594-7947. If you keep it around a minute and keep it direct and give us something to talk about, whether it's about a previous episode or a future episode or something we missed or something you like that we said, whatever it is that you want to cover, we would love to hear from you and potentially play you on the show. Now, Melanie, where can people find you online? They can find me at MelanieAmanda44 on Instagram. Yeah, and you can see Andrew and Melanie's son and my godson. And oh, we never mentioned that. We haven't mentioned that, but yeah, I'm, I'm proud of him too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you can find Melanie and Andrew by extension. And you can also find Andrew on the X-Roads Pod Twitter account. And the best place to find me is on Twitter at Shadadada. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. You can find my other podcasts, the Cinescope Podcast, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them. And you can find that at Cinescope Pod on Twitter and thecinescopepodcast.com. The Office Podcast I've mentioned in this show called An American Workplace. You can find it at WorkplacePod and WorkplacePodcast.com. 
and show notes and contact information for this show can be found at xroadspod.com. And that is it, everybody. Thank you once again for listening. We will talk to you in episode seven when we talk about book one, chapter eight, The Winter Solstice, part two, Avatar Roku. Bye. Bye. Let's talk about Uncle Iroh.